welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Prosper Project. So today we're going to talk about wishes. So not what you maybe traditionally think of as wishes, but we're going to bring that into the conversation as well. My guest today is Chase Harmer, and he is the founder of Wishes, but these wishes are part of a company that is a fintech app, and they are changing the transparency of charitable donations made by the average consumer. With no formal background in tech, just hard-won experience, as he puts it, Chase is a visionary that has created one of the most innovative platforms in charitable giving by providing validation for donated funds through transparency in e-commerce causes, crowdfunding, and nonprofits. Welcome, Chase. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Wishes and how you got the idea and just decided that this was what you were going to do. I mean, so I've been in payments for about 25 years. So I started in payments, group businesses and payments. And I've always been looking to do things different, kind of like innovate. And people use innovate like they innovate. People don't actually innovate. Most people actually don't, you know, but, and so I don't really like that word, but I do like the idea of moving money in other ways. And I think FinTech, every single business out there today has, is going to, in the future is going to have some sort of FinTech element inside of it because everyone takes money and then gives money in one way or another, right? Every sale was a purchase, right? So I think before that. So there's always money moving and charitable giving is one of those industries that really hasn't been any innovation like in a million years, like there has been GoFundMe, which is actually in my mind is not really innovation. It's taking a crowdfunding and then putting it in a bank account. That's, I mean, it's pretty basic. And then the problem with that is that there's lots of scams that happen there. And that's because people don't, there's no validation of that actual story and people can't see what happens to the story. So unfortunately, and people that are desperate, they'll take advantage of a system and take advantage of people's generosity. So, and I was thinking, you know, and there's lots of homeless. I'm in Reno and, you know, I think every city has their own homeless problem, but like, you know, back in the day, people used to give money to the homeless, you know? And I think over time that's kind of dissipated because of the fact that people are using funds in nefarious ways or they're not using it for food. They're going to get alcohol or whatever. And so if you knew that homeless person was going to spend it on actual food and you can validate that it, you'd be more likely to give to that person and potentially more more money to that person. And I think the same thing with GoFundMe or any other fundraiser, there's been a lot of nonprofits and not to say nonprofits are bad, obviously nonprofits are great, but there are nonprofits that spend more than, you know, they're only like 50 to 60% of the money is going towards the actual cause, right? And so mm-hmm. I think, and then every grocery store out there is asking for a dollar. And it's like, 
where does that dollar go? Like, when does that dollar get paid out to who? And, you know, who's actually looking at that? You know, I think there's just a lot of, and then as money gets tighter, people want to just understand what happens to the money. Where does it go? You know, and they want to understand that their money's actually going towards an impact and making a difference. And I think if you understand that impact, you're more likely to give more often. And, and I think that's another thing that's missing from giving is that there is no impact. You give to a nonprofit, you really don't know what happens to that money, you know? And that's, Inherently, the problem is that you don't actually understand the impact that you're making, actually, you know, and you don't understand it in real time. And so, you know, being able to transparently see what happens to the money and understand the direct impact, I think is, it's a huge thing. It changes the way people feel about giving because they can understand, you know, the difference that they're making. So that was very long. So sorry. No, that's okay. So we know that transparency has become more and more important, even in the for-profit world. So my company, for example, is a certified B Corp. There's more than 6,000 certified B Corps around the world. And we're trying to add in those layers of accountability and transparency. But even having spent half my career before starting my own business in the nonprofit sector, I never really thought about it from the perspective that you're saying, but it makes so much sense. So I'm wondering if you can kind of talk us through if someone decides to make a donation, how the wishes process works, like what will they do? What will they see? Like, what does that process look like? The donors have their own dashboard and the wishers have their own dashboard, but essentially there's four main categories on both sides. So what we wanted to build was not just a transparency engine, but we wanted to actually build in rewards for the donors. So that way they actually get rewards. And I'll explain to you how that happens. There's four categories. It's health, life essentials, emergency, and services. And inside of those four buckets, there's subcategories. And this is where all the retailers lay. So we have a closed loop network of about 6,000 retailers. So all the biggest retailers in the world, charities, we don't limit their spend, but how we actually monitor the category specific spend is when Mm -hmm. some wisher comes into the system, whether it's a nonprofit or a person or a cause, they're asking for certain things, right? I need help with you know, hospital bill. I need help with groceries. I need help with ride share. I need help with gasoline right? Getting back and forth to school or work. So when people donate, they're donating on the front side to the same categories, right? But they're all the largest categories on your credit card. So think about your credit card, a bonus categories, you have an American Express, MasterCard, whatever you have, mm-hmm. you get bonus miles for buying airline or hotel or restaurant right. or groceries right. or all that. So, so basically we have a 501c public charity on the front end. So essentially anyone that donates on the front end actually gets their tax. We're a public charity. So they get their tax deductible donation, charitable donation, because the nonprofit's actually the one that's giving the money to the causes and people. And we also hitting that category specific bonus. So essentially, because yeah. our nonprofit owns about like 10 LLCs and all those LLCs are specifically categorized for airline, hotel, blah, 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 blah. So when you actually donate to a specific category where someone asking for that, we actually move that, we turn that donation into a virtual credit card. And we push that over to the resources to support that the wishers ask for. So essentially, they'll get a MasterCard on their side and they can push it into their wallet on their phone or they can spend it inside of our 5,000, 6,000 stores. And these are all the biggest stores in the world, Amazon, Walgreens, Walmart, you know, Kmart, well, all the things, right? So they can spend inside of there instantly. So it's instant funding, whereas GoFundMe is like 10 days to get funding. You can get okay. instant funding inside of our platform. Wow. Owners actually earn rewards. And because we're issuing a virtual MasterCard on the backside, everyone, the donors can see what happens to their money in real time because we're actually keeping ledgers on both sides. So the donors can actually see what happens to the money and the wishers are specifically restricted to spend on what they've asked for. 
So if they say I need help with gasoline, they can't actually, just like if you've ever had a gasoline fleet card, like go spend it at a gas station, you can't go into the gas station and buy some jelly beans. You can only spend it on gas, right? So whatever specifically they're asking for, that's where that money has to go. So there's no misuse of funds and everyone can completely see what happens in real time with the money. And the donors actually earn two to 5% on their donations, plus the tax incentive. Wow, that's amazing. There's a lot that I love about this. First of all, having a background in nonprofit fundraising, donor intent is so important. Right. But that is something that sometimes, you know, that the donor funds to go to a specific area, to a very, very specific thing. And nonprofits sometimes, you know, have trouble tracking that. And you're actually providing a way that they can do that so that the donor intent is honored. But in addition, the donor is also rewarded because they get to capitalize on their credit card rewards from making their charitable donations. Right. And the charities actually can raise more and more often because essentially if donors understand where it's going to, they understand specifically where it's being used for, they're more likely to donate on a more consistent basis and more than they usually would. So because they're also getting rewards on the front end and this fully... It's all rebates, so it's not taxable. And the tax acknowledgement just gives them an extra incentive. So they're getting a double and no nonprofit can do this today. So essentially they can utilize wishes as a fundraising mechanism. And we can actually provide that transparency and also provide all their donors with rewards that they don't have to pay for. It doesn't cost them anything because it's all coming from the donor's own credit card. So that's mind boggling. So how long have you been doing this? How long has Wishes Exhibit existed? Oh, so we actually, so we've we've been building this for 18 months and it's launching May 1st. I've been building financial technology since 2014 and I've been in payments since I was 19. So I'm 44 now. So payments is like all I've done, a very specialized skill set in this area. And that's why I thought of this before anyone else did. Because everyone's like, well, how come no one else thought? I was like, well, you know, why didn't anyone else think about the pet rock, you know? So... (laughs) Well, I think this is a little bit more public benefit than the past. For sure. sure. I mean, I wanted to make some, an impact and like make, uh, be able to like have like a legacy, you know? So, you know, so this is important to me and because I think anyone can help someone and if they understand where the money's going, they're more likely to spend and give and all that stuff. So. So I just want to underline that this is not quite yet available, correct? May 1st, but they can go onto our site and register. Mm-hmm. So if there's a nonprofit that's listening or an e-commerce site that wants to do a fundraiser, they can go to wishes.inc and they can register and then we'll we'll let them know when it's available in May. So yeah, it's it'll be available here shortly. So how have you connected both with the companies and the nonprofit organizations? I'm sure there's some kind of vetting process or is there not? Yeah, no, we, so the nonprofits, we validate that they're an actual nonprofit, but nonprofits aren't the only people that can actually do fundraisers on wishes. It's pretty much anyone. So like, okay. just like go put me. So like, if you're a person, if you're a cause, if you're a fundraiser, if you need e-commerce websites, so even e-commerce marketplaces and e-commerce websites that are taking transactions on their website, if they can do roundups through us and we fully, and then we actually oh, deliver yeah. all the funds to the nonprofit directly. And we give all the donors fully accountability for it. And then the e-commerce sites get the full tax write-off for all the money that's raised. So there's a lot of e-commerce websites that'll raise money because it helps conversions, honestly. To be honest with you, you use fundraisers and charities as a mechanism to check people out. They typically are more likely, like 20% more likely to purchase. So they have their own motives, but nonprofits obviously want to raise more money and want to get more awareness. We'll have uh, tons of donors inside of our platform. So they won't even just be exposed to 
their own donors, but you know, donors from all over the place that might resonate with right. their cause. And there's no other crowdfunding platform that actually allows nonprofits at this time. So GoFundMe stopped doing nonprofits and so did uh, PayPal. So we're really the only guys in the market just because we can do it. We actually make more money than they do on the transactions because of the way that we're set up. But the only cost to the nonprofit or anyone that sets up a story on wishes is the 2.9%, just like GoFundMe. So essentially when people donate, and that's just credit card cost, right? So right, we have a right. real cost for that. And uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. Like, why didn't someone come up with this before? So what yeah. do you think the implications of this kind of technology are. I understand what it does for the nonprofit and for the donor, but what does it, this feels like a domino that's going to influence this other is going areas. To change, this is going to change charitable giving forever. Honestly, this will absolutely change charitable giving forever. And, you know, think about, you know, political transparency, raising funds for politics. This would work for any of that. So like, I mean, honestly, what we've built it will change the charitable giving space forever. It will never be the same. And the model is so much better than GoFundMe's model that they actually won't be able to really compete once we hit scale. I mean, the model is just, it's a million times better than what they have today. So Wow. Wow. That's really amazing. So just having had all the experience that I've had working with nonprofits towards raising money and getting the right message to the right donor and ensuring donor intent and all the things that go along with that. This just feels like a rocket ship from point A to point Z. So yeah, we're super excited about it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your history before you started Wishes. Sure. So, you know, I got a track scholarship to Cal Poly and then I dropped out of college because I didn't want to run track and I even though it was really fast. And I started a business when I was 19. I answered a credit card, you know, back then it was 1998. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, credit cards was actually still pretty new back then. You know, credit cards really didn't get started till like the late 80s, honestly. And so mm-hmm. you know, it was still like at the forefront of all that. And, you know, so I, I started get, doing like door-to-door kind of sales, like credit card machines and things like that. And I ended up building a big company out of that got the largest hotel association in the United States and then traveled around the country for eight years and signed up thousands of hotels, you know, and then I realized that I need to start build technology in 2014 because our margins were getting really consolidated. Like they were decreasing and decreasing and decreasing Mm -hmm. because credit card processing is a commodity business. And so I, you know, I realized I had to start building technology. We built something specific for the hotel space and then I, you know, I ended up raising a lot of capital for that company. And then I had an exit in 2021. And then I started building this. I, you know, the infrastructure of what was required to have what we have, it was a very unique corporate structure. And this is why companies like, you know, GoFundMe and stuff like that, they can't compete because their whole organization structure all over the world, they'd have to change the whole entire thing in order to actually compete because you need a certain setup to do this. And so we took a lot of time to do that, to get the public charity and the 501c and all that stuff that took time. And then obviously building the infrastructure and all the things that it took to build the app to get it to a point where we can launch it. That's basically the history in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really an interesting story. So you just kept building on what you knew and taking it to the next level. And all of this because you didn't want to 
run track. So you dropped out of school. I, I'm assuming you were on scholarship for track. I was, yeah, I was a full track, track and field scholarship. I wanted to play football. So I was like mad about that. I think <laughs> like track in college, like, so in high school, you can get away with being super fast and then not actually working that hard in college. You know, when you're in D1, everyone's fast and everyone works hard. And if you don't like, you just get smoked. So like, you know, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't, I was over it, you know. You didn't want to work that hard. Yeah. Well, no, I get boring. I just like, it was over it. Yeah. Yeah. That you weren't passionate about. Right. Right. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. What would you say to e commerce brands that want to implement some kind of charitable giving? What I would say is that there's a 12.4% increase in conversions, like factual, like based upon a lot of different data like a 12.4%, you'll increase your conversions as long as you have it in the right place on your page, which we help with. And then you also premium signups. So if you have memberships or anything like that, you'll increase those by about 26%. If you have charitable giving as a component of your signup or like your shopping process. So people are more likely to be a premium subscriber. And then they're about 12 and a half to 13% increasing conversions. And listen, if you're doing millions of dollars and you do nothing else but add a charity element, that 13% makes you a lot of money. So, I mean, it's big time and, you know, everyone else is doing it right now. So if you're not doing it, but if you can offer transparency, because the one thing about e-commerce stores is there's no verification on, you know, where those monies are going. Right. And you're dealing with people on the internet that, you know, Hey, it's like, it's Joe blows crab shack, whatever. Like, you know, it's like, Maybe it's not selling crabs, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, who this guy is and he might not actually be giving this money away, you know? So he actually just might be using that as a mechanism and then taking that for himself because a lot of these nonprofits, what they'll do is they'll say, Hey, you want to use our badge in your checkout? Okay. Give us 25 grand. You can use our badge. Right. But they don't actually follow up after that. They just are happy with that 25 grand. Right. They're not actually validating. Oh, like we're sponsoring this. It's like, well, yeah, you did sponsor, but like, are you actually sponsoring? Right. Yeah. And they got their badge. Right. Because if you're doing millions of dollars and you're like, yeah, here's 25,000, right. Or whatever, put it on my site. Now you're doing millions of dollars and you're getting like people to convert. Like, you know what I mean? So like, there's no validation. So if you actually have, if you're working with a firm like wishes, where we can actually add that transparency, it gives that, that donor, that customer really, that's actually deciding to donate on your site that ease that he knows that the money's going to the right place. And then we can send reporting to that store and they can share that with anyone that donated to those fundraisers. Yeah, I think that as consumers, we're looking for more and more transparency in the businesses that we engage with and also accountability. And it sounds like this app makes both of those available to the consumer, investor, donor, what have you. And I think that's really, really important. I think we're going to see a lot more demand for that in the marketplace in general as well, because we know, you know, we want to believe that everybody is what they say they are, but we also know that people say, you know, we really care about A, B, and C. Well, let's face it. Any company can say whatever the hell they want because nobody's checking on them. Right. Right. And the other thing is that if you're at a retail store, you know, every single grocery store or, you know, supermarket is asking for that dollar, but like, when do they actually send that out? And like, how long are they holding on to that money? And that's going to their balance sheet because no one else is taking that money but them. There's no process at a retail to like shave off that dollar and put it in a different account. It all goes into one account, right? And then they have to move money from there. And there's no process for that, you know, at a retail store. Right. So like, it just begs the question, like, where is that actual money going? And, you know, who's validating that actually? 
Yeah, because yeah. at the end of the day, they're saying we gave thirty million dollars to blah. It's like no, like a bunch of consumers that you gave nothing. You know what I mean? Right. They take the credit. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's all they did was put it on their checkout. Like, you know, it's just like it's. I don't know. It's just not right. No. Yeah, it doesn't ring true, right? right. And it's not trustworthy. It could, it could be true. It could be true, actually. But who actually knows? Nobody. Yeah. What are your thoughts on blockchain and the future of money in general? Um, well, so the reason why we built our platform the way we did, so I, I'm a strong believer in blockchain it will be the future for sure. I, maybe not blockchain because, but digital currency for sure. Blockchain, it was built on a 256 point encryption key, which was supposed to be unbreakable for like a hundred years. Uh, that's why they built it on this blockchain. It's like, you, you can't break it. But then they, the supercomputers from like China, in the US, they've now been designed to break that 256 code encryption key in a couple of days. And so the reality is the supercomputers can break that. So blockchain's not the future for sure, but digital currency is definitely the future. And the other thing is the reason why we built our platform with credit cards today is because, you know, blockchain or digital currency today is like, it's like the hybrid car, right? You know, you don't realize how useless it is until you try to drive from Nevada to California and there's one superstation in between, right? And, yes. Uh, oh my gosh. You can't go into a gas station. And then when you do, you have to wait there for an hour, right? It's because it's got to charge. So like, you know, it's blockchain's the same way. It's like, you know, hey, you can make money on it, but like, it's totally useless right now. So there's no like real... You know, I mean, unless you're like a criminal, it's not like there's not a lot of value. The value was the 256 key encryption right. in blockchain, and that's now no longer a thing. So blockchain for the future definitely won't be a thing, but digital currency will be. And so what do you think the next, and this may be outside your focus, but what do you think the next thing that will come up and replace blockchain will be? A stronger version of it, like some like 1000 point encryption, like. They'll call it something. I mean, it'll be similar where, but some genius will, you know, make up this crazy impossible to break type of code. And, you know, but again, I don't know if anything is ever going to be unbreakable just because of the, yeah. su- the supercomputers now. Like mm-hmm. the, the thing with the supercomputers is they can run like a bazillion different like probabilities. And, you know, and then eventually the probability will come up. It'll be right. You know, um, so these supercomputers are kind of like, I don't know, in the way that AI is and all these things, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows what's going to actually be unbreakable? I don't know. Some smart guy is going to develop something for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Everybody likes a challenge, right? So the next thing that says it's unbreakable, someone will dedicate their time to making sure that they can. Yeah, but it wasn't a person that actually broke the blockchain. It was the supercomputers that did it, you know? Right, right. So, I mean, in, you know, who has the supercomputers? Like, big government agencies, right? So, right. Someone so, told them to do it, right? And they didn't just sure. I mean, well, they, Yeah. They were like, they had their eyes set on trying to break that. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So something that our listeners probably don't know about you, but I have to comment on is that you dropped out of school, which you did say, and you didn't have the training and yet you built a billion dollar company without tech experience yourself, without mentors at the time, what do you attribute your success to? You know, I just figured out, like, I don't ever give up. 
you know, and I think it's really easy to give up and I just work better when I'm backed into a corner. So I think, you know, a lot of times when you're building a company, we raise a lot of money, but we spent, you know, millions of dollars. So it's, it's, uh, you know, and you're not like PayPal where you can, they could just throw a hundred million dollars in a room and say, okay, you guys try to figure it out. And they're like, okay, didn't work. The hundred million dollars come take it back. You know, like startups and we can't do that, you know? So like when you make million dollar mistakes, it could crush you, you know? And I just learned a lot of things at a very high level. And that's because I'm just not afraid to take any risk. And I'm a massive risk taker and I put it all on the line all the time. So I think that's the difference is that I'm not scared to lose. I'm more obsessed with winning than I am of like scared of losing. So. And that's the sign of an entrepreneur who succeeds. And there a lot of people are risk adverse. What would you say to someone who is really risk averse about stepping outside their comfort zone and knowing when it's worth taking a big risk. That's the thing about being an entrepreneur. Like you never know the end game, right? You believe that you have an end game and you believe that it's all going to happen. And you have to be optimistic if you're an entrepreneur. The reality is you don't know. Like, but if you're not afraid to take the risk and you're not willing to die, like in that ring, like to try to make it happen, then you should probably not try it. Um, Because my advice is if you're not willing to go all the way in and sacrifice everything to try to make it happen. There's no chance and you're just wasting your time. So, you know, go get a job at like, you know, Target or something. And there might be a happy medium. <laughs> probably. Maybe not Target. But you know what I'm saying? You know, it's just like yes. you, listen, you know, go work for someone else. Not that and, we don't love Target. We love Target, but well, Target's great. I mean, the idea is just like you're working for someone else. Like you can work probably a much higher paying job than that. But being an entrepreneur and making it to a big valuation is uh, near impossible. That's why there's only like less than a couple hundred companies that ever been a billion dollar valuation ever. So it's like, I said, so you hear about it all the time. So you think it happens all the time. It actually doesn't, you know, it's super rare actually. And so to be able to do it, it's a hard feat. And I don't think most people will be able to do it, but growing a multi-million dollar company, people could absolutely do that, you know, as long as they stick with it and they don't give up and they stay to their core values. Like it's really easy as an entrepreneur to try to get like, you start chasing all these different ideas because you're scared, like the core value is not working. And so you're like, try chasing these new ideas, but you have no proof that they work. And then you just run out of capital and then you're dead. So you got to stick to the core and, and then eliminate all the excess because it's really easy to get access to as you as you're growing a company like ten dollars here hundred dollars here twenty dollars there well, all of a sudden you have like thousands of dollars in all these miscellaneous costs you know but like that adds up twenty thirty forty thousand dollars a year fifty thousand hundreds of thousands of dollars a year so in my case you know where we had to like slim down all these things and it's like services you're not using like all that stuff matters you know you got to really pay attention to the money. That's really good advice. Yeah, because you're right. Oh, that's just $29 a month. No big deal. But you've got 10 of those. And then you've got all the other things. And it's, you know, it's really about profit at the end of the day, right? It's not even revenue. It's not necessarily just expenses, but like what you're investing versus what you're actually left with when all is said and done. Sure. And when you're growing a company and you're starting it all, like you're not making money, you're just like, you're basically building a product or an idea. So you are spending money, potentially millions of dollars. And, you know, it sucks to not make money, but like, you know, eventually when you have that opportunity, you got to really look at the dollars in the sense and make sure that it's all working out because then you're just digging yourself a huge hole. So what's next for you? I know that you have someone running wishes, so it's not going to be you running the day to day. 
what is on the horizon for you after Wishes officially launches? Not that there won't be things. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm in there. So like I got a CEO that's doing, she's my operator. She's from the social good space. She has a long history in the social good space. and, And she's great at the people stuff. Like I'm not as great as the people stuff, I think, but I'm really good at the technology and connecting all the dots. And so I'm the chief strategy officer there. So I'll remain there until we eventually either have an exit or decide to like do an IPO or something like that. But okay. we think that wishes is a home run and there's a lot of opportunity. It's a blue ocean opportunity of charitable giving and it really there's, is. there's no competition. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And I I always think about Apple when I I think about Blue Ocean, you know, they created demand for a product that nobody knew they needed, right? Right, Like, you know, it's like, oh, I absolutely need that. I didn't know about it 24 hours ago, but now it's like essential. So I, I just really congratulate you as someone who works with a lot of nonprofits. I understand the impact that this can make. And also as someone who contributes to a lot of nonprofits, I understand from the donor perspective. So I'm really excited about this and certainly want to share with the nonprofits in my circle. Absolutely. No, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're not doing all of this stuff, what do you do for fun? Not much. Yeah, I work a lot, but you know, I go between here and uh, Las Gatas. So, you know, my son is in a lot of sports. And so I'm usually hanging out with my little guy and doing that stuff, the dad stuff. And you know, between in in the business, it just takes up most of my time and my energy, you know, I want to see this through like all the way through and make sure that it's a big thing. And after that, hopefully be able to take some time off and enjoy it. So my final question, which I warned you about, and it kind of ties into the one I just asked, but what does it mean for you to prosper personally? Well, you know, I think everyone has this idea of like, they just want to be happy, right? You know, it all comes down to like, you want to be happy. I mean, you want to make money. I want to do all these things, but why? Like, you know, it all comes back to, there's lots of studies on this and they all say it all comes down to like, you want to just be happy. And I think that's really, we just want peace and want happiness. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we all, all really want at the end. You know, it's not about the money. It's not about those things. And so prosper to me is just is being content and, you know, being able to help other people. And I think this is why really I built this company is that I want to make a greater impact and I don't want it to just be about money. I want it to be about helping others and changing things for the better, right? You know, I think after this launches and we get in the market, I feel like there will be a lot of people that will try to replicate this model and, and that's fine. I mean, to me, I feel like that's the power of what we've created. It's that good. So yeah. I'll be happy. So Great. We'll have to have you come back in a year and talk about what you've learned, what you've accomplished and what's next then. Sure. Maybe a year will be too soon. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) I don't want to underestimate you in any way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm like, we're shooting from the stars. So we're aiming high. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chase Harmer, thank you so much for being my guest on the Prosper Project. Absolutely. No, it's great to be here. And we'll have links to wishes.inc and your other, anything else that you want us to share with the listeners below? Yeah. You, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to message me great. or, you know, just go to wishes.inc and we'll get back in touch with you there. All right. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with another entrepreneur, small business owner or nonprofit. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, 
please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.